Yesterday's concert is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Sometimes in the moment, you're you're thinking like like I said, oh this this might be a, a little stale, but I shouldn't be thinking about that. I shouldn't be judging it in the moment, you know. Uh, maybe we always record all our shows, and I can go back and, and listen to it, and uh, maybe analyze it there and say, oh well, maybe I should have been doing this or or whatever. But you know, in the moment of the jam, uh, I don't think you should be uh, analyzing too much. You should just uh, should just be playing. Welcome to Yesterday's Concert, a podcast that celebrates live music. My name is Lance Ingram, and in this episode we talk to Tavis Conley of Houseplant, a Louisville, Kentucky-based jam band. We talk about forming a band during a pandemic, the Louisville music scene, and letting jams happen. Grab your earplugs as we let this houseplant blossom. Okay, so I'm here with Tavis from Houseplant, and we're going to talk about the band and stuff uh, in a minute. But Tavis, how are you doing today? You doing good, man? Yeah, doing great. Great. Good. Glad to have you, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So just to get started, we'll do some icebreakers just to get to know each other, have a little fun, uh, keep it light, and then we'll jump in and I want to learn all about Houseplant. Okay. So first question, what was Houseplant's first show? Uh, first show was, um, it was May 14th of 2021, um, just after the pandemic. Uh, it was, uh, we're from Louisville, Kentucky, and it was here locally um, in Louisville at uh, one of our, our favorite spots, uh, the Millwood Tavern. It's a um, kind of a, a local hangout for all the, the music lovers here in town. And um, the owners are super, super supportive of the local music scene here. So, yeah, it was only logical that that be our, our first gig. Well, so that was actually my second question was, okay. I know you all are big favorites in Louisville. So I was like, what's your favorite venue to play there? And I think you just answered that one hey, for me. Well, that yes, that would answer it. Yeah. Well, so, okay, let's talk about it a little bit more. So what about the room do you like so much? What's so special about it? Well, I, I think the, the biggest part of it is the owners themselves. They're just super mm-hmm. supportive of the whole music scene. Um, and then... Next to that is the crowd that uh, there's always a built-in crowd. It doesn't matter if it's a local favorite band that's playing there or um, some band that's just coming in through town that uh, they, they scored a gig there. Um, Scott, the the owner there, uh, he's one of the owners, has been open to bringing in these bands coming through town and um, letting them have a place to play. And there's always a uh, an awesome crowd there showing up uh, to check out this, you know, this new act that's coming through town. So yeah, the, the crowd is the, I would say the second part of it. And then the room itself is um, top notch um, equipment there. And it, it always sounds good. They have actually um, 
So they have the indoor stage and then they also do this. They have an outdoor stage. They have this big courtyard. And during the summer, um, they do this Sunday service thing that they they call it Sunday service. It starts like four o'clock in the afternoon and they'll have a band there. How, how this Sunday service thing started, we have a, um, a band here in town called the, the Pranksters. And they play, they've played every Sunday here in town for like the last something ridiculous like yeah. 30 years or something every every sunday so people always would say they're going to church to see the pranksters and uh so then they started the early service it would be a bunch of different bands before the pranksters played so yeah that's the outdoor stage which is very cool it has you know big banana trees behind you as a backdrop very open uh courtyard it's just very fun to play it doesn't matter which stage, inside or yeah. outside. Uh, it's it's cool atmosphere, cool people. Love playing there. So when Houseplant is doing a worldwide stadium tour, this is where we can expect the secret acoustic indie show on New Year's Eve. Is that what I'm hearing? Is, <laughs> yeah. that, is, the, is this where the, the super fans need to start couching out to make sure they get the good spots there? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, mate. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right. So uh, next question. If you can add any instrument to your band that you currently don't have, oh. what would you add? Horns, another drum kit, violin? What would you throw in there? Man, you know, it's funny you bring this up because we're in the middle of a little recording project and one of the tracks, I think we're going to get a pedal steel player to do a track there for us. Pedal steel is like my favorite instrument in the world. It's so, it can be, you know, like in a, like a country band, it can be be very lick oriented or say in a rock and roll band, um, very atmospheric with the slide it's so slippery yeah. and it just adds so much vibe to a to a tune so anyway we are um we're gonna have a pedal steel on one of the tracks i believe and um that, no that would be so cool like i, I yeah. can already hear y'all jamming with that that would be awesome i don't know if it would be the instrument for you know all the time yep. but like i think it, under the right circumstance the right song i think it would be very very cool you yeah. need to you need to get a utility guy or gal that can do pedal steel as well as well as like trumpet and maybe violin and just yeah. throw it in the mix and just like y'all would crush it with that man that'd be killer yeah <laughs> okay so last question and we'll jump into the conversation this is all hypothetical just fine you're in a jam off your opponents are either string cheese incident or widespread panic who is houseplant going to go up against hmm wow um, <laughs> you know, I love both bands. Um, yes, you know, like I, I guess for the mandolin aspect, I would have to go with string cheese, you know, to that's what I was thinking. I, I don't, I don't want to be a, a you know, <laughs> I don't want it to be a competition by any means because he would kick yep. my ass, but um, <laughs> I think it'd be very cool to to jam with string cheese and with michael king for sure that's what i was thinking y'all trading licks would be really sweet yeah that'd be really yeah. that'd be a lot of fun so yeah that'd be awesome well i appreciate you allowing me to have that just a little bit of fun there to start so let's get into houseplant let's talk about the band some i know y'all started essentially during the pandemic can you tell me how y'all were founded and how y'all came together yeah so it was just before the pandemic started um i started getting together with the bass player tommy it's funny, I, I had known Tommy for a couple of years. 
Uh, we used to get together and watch UK basketball games. And the dude said like two words in the two years that we got together. <laughs> he he actually works with my brother and my brother okay. would come over and watch basketball games and Tommy would come over some. Never said anything. We just watched the ball game. He'd go on home. Uh, my brother and I used to play in a band together. And so one one time after a game, we were just jamming. And Tommy picked up a guitar or a bass or whatever he, he picked up. He started jamming. I was like, man, that, that guy's pretty good. Like, I didn't even know he played music. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Well, we we jammed a, a little more after that. And yeah, I was like, man, this guy's really good. Maybe... I, I knew I wanted to start a, a project. I'd been I'd been thinking about it. Uh, my brother and I had a bluegrass band, and that had kind of fallen apart um, a few years before. And I had recently gotten um, an electric mandolin. I'd gotten a few pedals, and I started messing around with the pedals and uh, getting kind of weird and crazy with the pedals. And so I kind of had this idea for this new jammy type uh, project with me playing mandolin. That was just before the pandemic. When So mm-hmm. I asked Tommy, I was like, yeah, let's let's start this band. So we started writing songs together, getting together, working on these tunes. I had a few tunes I'd already started writing. He had a few tunes in his pocket. 
And then the pandemic hits and we're like, well, you know, this is all on hold. I even had this idea. I bought this little recording interface that uh, he lives right down the road, not too far from him. We were going to record our ideas and songs and pass it back and forth in, in each other's mailbox. That's cool. And like, you know, record it on this device and I'll, I'll just swing by, throw it in your mailbox. This was before we knew, you know, what in the world COVID was going to bring us. Like we're still wiping down our mail and our boxes <laughs> and stuff. Like we didn't know if the world was going to end, if like we were going to live in bubbles for the rest of our lives or <laughs> whatever. So but anyway, we never even got that idea going. I bought the interface and we never even started doing that. It wasn't too long after that where we realized, okay, well, we can get together on my patio outside and sit, you know, 10 feet apart and we can still jam and uh, everything's going to be okay. So we did that for a while. Then we added Mike, who is our guitar player. Uh, I've played in a couple um, little side projects with Mike around town for for a while. I've jammed with Mike for uh, mm-hmm. quite a few years. He's a he's a great guitar player. Yep. Super tasty, tasty licks, tasty vocals. Always has something good to add to whatever's going on. Um, so we invited Mike over, jammed with him a couple times, and uh, we were like, "Well, we need a um, need a drummer." Mike said i know a drummer he just moved from arizona he moved here in town he actually lives right down the road i was like give him a call so next thing you know jeremy joins the uh the picture and then shortly after that we uh we added chris and that was about thanksgiving of um 2020 yeah and that was all during the the pandemic it's interesting i had the pandemic not been going on, I think we would have been anxious to get out and uh, start playing live, play, play mm-hmm. shows out in front of people. But since that wasn't a possibility, we were allowed to develop an original repertoire of songs, uh, develop the songs that we have. It's it's kind of crazy. I've been in original projects before, but I never really realized like, if you're playing a cover song, you can work that up in in like one rehearsal because the template's already there. You know, like, oh, well, this is all I have to do. But when you're developing an original song, you might have the chord structure already written out. You might have the lyrics. You, you have all this stuff, but there's so much more into how this song is going to, to work. You know, it's a lot more that goes into developing mm-hmm. a song and even after we get it to a point where we're like okay we're ready to to play this song we'll revisit it and say well let's try this like change things to make it work better what what would make this song work better um yeah we, we change it up quite a bit anyway i'm <laughs> kind of rambling here but no no no, no. this is good stuff uh, well that's okay so uh I mean, I want to talk. There's so many things I want to break out from that. So I'll just start with the most obvious one for me, the electric mandolin. Y'all yeah. are not a jam grass band. I didn't yeah. even know there was an electric mandolin until I started looking at the the band members. Yeah. Like that, you know, to me, the closest thing I think of to that is like Dave Matthews band when they had a violin player. Uh-huh. You know, that seems like such a deliberate thing for your band. And I mean, can you talk about, I know that's what you play. But can you talk about just not making it a jam grass band and why you've used it the way you have in your music? Yeah, because, yeah, I used to be in a bluegrass band and I, I can, you know, kind of pick the mandolin in, in that style. 
I guess, jam music. There are certain songs that, you know, you can get that train shuffle beat. Jam mm-hmm. bands do that a lot. Fish does it. Goose does it. I would say most of the jam uh, band songs are a little more uh, groovy, funky, laid back uh, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And it, it's just a different style of of playing. I do whatever it whatever needs to happen to to um, fit in with the song. I, I don't do a lot of the, the lead playing. I think uh, mm-hmm. my role in the band is much more rhythmic oriented. I, I do come up with little licks that the song is based around. And then when it comes to the actual someone taking a lead, that's uh, more left up with to Chris and to Mike. And yeah, and I just kind of, lay back and and try to fit in into the groove however i can i mean it's really cool how you do it though i mean it really is like i, I mean that's like i was talking with a buddy i was like hey man have you heard of house playing he's like no and he went and checked him out he's like oh there's there's not two guitars it's a mandolin and i was like yeah dude that's sick right and he's like yeah this is cool it's an inventive way i think to use it and it's i mean you're not doing it in the jam grass way but you're doing it more in the traditional jam band way and i, I just think it's a really cool way that you're incorporating it into your music yeah well well thank you um it wasn't very premeditated it, it was just uh it, i don't know it just happened changing gears a little bit but that's i want to know y'all are based in louisville mm-hmm. and you know my even though i'm in tennessee so i don't have a lot of room to talk kentucky has its own stereotypes and national perception yeah uh, yet louisville seems to be building a pretty cool name for itself uh just i mean several different festivals my morning jacket there's just different things that it's really generated from can you tell me about the scene in town and what that's like and how that's helped form the band yeah so for i don't know 30 maybe even 40 plus years louisville has been kind of known in the underground punk scene to uh have have a really strong um presence there levi's even did something recently they they had this uh reissued gene that was i forget what it was called but it was like a tribute to the the underground punk scene here in louisville and then from there uh yeah my morning jacket absolutely big influences um on on us and then you know they they don't exactly fit into the the jam scene but they're they're kind mm-hmm. of like on the They're fringe. Adjacent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the fringe of jam. Yeah. So the, the jam scene here as uh a lot of a lot of great bands, smaller bands, but mm-hmm. I, I think um I think the scene is in the early stages and really has uh, a lot of potential to to have a lot of, of these young bands come out of it. A lot of really good strong bands. I mentioned earlier I was in a couple original uh, projects. This was probably early 2000, and there were always some some local music supporters of that. But something in the last like five years, and I, I attribute a lot of this to the Melwood Tavern uh, being such uh, supporters of the local jam scene. But yeah, there's a m- much stronger support system um, now. It seems like of of the jam community. How, let me let me interrupt you there. Yeah. How important do you think it is for for venues, especially like local venues like that, to support young growing artists? I mean, like it sounds like this tavern is really helping form the scene in a lot of ways. And that's, I think about there was a town in Tupelo that I lived that they had a little pub that had a small stage that I mean, like 
Gary Carlick Jr., Marcus King, all these names played on it well before they were a name. But that was, I mean, like that was always the place I would go on a Friday or a Saturday night to see music. I mean, how imperative do you think it is to have venues like that for uh, for scenes I, that are growing? I think it's massive. Yeah. You know, and I, I don't know if that was their mission starting up the place. I think they they uh, wanted to have uh, a bar and they wanted to have live music. It has become uh, like this communal space for for the music, not only the musicians here in town, but the music lovers. Like you said, like, I don't even know who's who's playing there tonight, but I'm sure it's a great band and I could go up there tonight and uh, enjoy whoever was playing and and this is more recently than than anything else. They these bands from out of town have started coming by. And Scott, the owner, um, I'll see him. He's like, yeah, I got another message from this band up in uh, Massachusetts or or wherever. Like they want to come play, come play at the Melwood Tavern. Um, so cool. Yeah, it's very cool. And and before that, we would have a, a venue here in town, and it would it would be like the the same local bands just kind of rotating around. And now we have like uh, national acts coming through and stopping in playing, playing at the Melwood Tavern. Um, I think it's, I think it's massive. They, they have a, um, they have a, a big part to do with the, the local mm-hmm. scene here for sure. Y'all are a young band by all accounts, really and truly only two years together. You haven't released your first year debut album and you're, you're really like, I mean, even when I searched, for you on Reddit doing some research, like y'all already have several mentions in the jam band threads and things like that. So, I mean, you're really rising in the ranks quickly, it seems, uh, especially yeah. coming out of COVID with that in mind. So, I mean, like you haven't been together long, but like your jams are incredible. I mean, I really, it sounds like you guys have been together for 10 to 15 years, just based on your jamming. How have you achieved this level of jam syncopation already? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how I would uh, I would say the biggest part to do with it is that we are all older guys who have played in a lot of projects before. I wouldn't say we're necessarily we don't have massive accomplishments in other bands, but we we've played in other bands. We've we've mm-hmm. been doing it for a minute. Everybody has a great ear. I don't know. We I, I think that has a lot to do with our jamming style is listening to each other. I don't think anybody really overplays, which I think is key. Everybody listens to each other and, and finds their spot that they need to be in. Drums are my primary instrument. That's that's what I've always okay. played. And the mandolin actually is fairly new kind of thing to me. So I, I'm just kind of like learning all this as we go. But like, I've always been a huge music lover and I've listened to a lot of music and I, I just absorb as much as I can from it. Well, no, that's, that's really great. And that's, I mean, I was talking to another upcoming jam band and they were talking about how jamming doesn't always come easy for them, that sometimes it can be kind of difficult coming into it or finding a jam or finding the spot. Is that something y'all experience? Is that something you feel when y'all are jamming or does it come fairly easy for y'all? It's, Night to night, you know, uh, sometimes we can get in a jam and and in the most unexpecting uh, song, you know, like we played a show recently where we were playing, it was a cover. It's kind of like a little folk tune that we usually play and it's, you know, five, five minutes maybe. And, this, and we wound up in this jam 
And, you know, it started in a uh, major key and somehow, we, you know, we end up working it into minor. And then it, this jam and this folk tune that usually lasts about, you know, five minutes, I think that it ended up being about a 15 minute song. So it's uh, great. Yeah, just sometimes it happens very easily and naturally. And then uh, sometimes you get in a jam that you're like, this, I don't know, maybe we should move on now. And um but I, I say that I've been in a jam where I'm like, this is this is kind of stale. Maybe we should uh, wrap it up. And then I, I start trying to wrap it up. And then, you know, somebody does something differently. Yeah. Then we're in another 10 minutes of jam. So, you know, it's I don't know. They're never planned. Just happen. And it's uh, it's pretty cool to, to watch. Sometimes in the moment you're you're thinking like like I said, oh, this this might be a, a little stale. But I shouldn't be thinking about that. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't be judging it in the moment, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe we always record all our shows and I can go back and, and listen to it and uh, maybe analyze it there and say, oh, well, maybe I should have been doing this or or whatever. But, you know, in the moment of the jam, uh, I don't think you should be uh, analyzing too much. You should just uh, should just be playing. Well, that's, I, I want to back up a little bit just because – you may have answered it already, but I'm sorry if you have, but did y'all set out to be a jam band? Like, did you, or is it just jamming is something that's kind of flowed out of the music that you're creating? I think jam music is definitely most of our, uh, most of the guys in the band. That is our background. Uh, I okay. would say everybody in the band with exception of Chris, the keyboard player, our favorite band, Jeremy, Mike, Tommy, and myself are Favorite all-time band is probably probably Fish. Chris doesn't come from quite the the jam jam uh, band background. He has more of a, a jazz uh, background, but he he listens to Fish, enjoys Fish. But yeah, I, I would say that collectively jamming that style is is definitely like I don't know if we set out to be a jam band, but that would be the biggest factor in it. Now, that being said, I, I don't know if that's all we would want to be known, you know, like, I, I think we would want to cross over into some other genres as well. Uh, like we were talking about My Morning Jacket earlier, yeah. to be a, a fringe jam band, maybe, like, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I, I don't like putting labels on music. We are what we are. We jam, you know, yeah. like, I, I'm completely fine with that. But I think we'd also like to, uh, to get into some indie type uh, scenes as well so are y'all writing any music that is kind of in that vein or doing anything to kind of step towards that then I, I think a lot of our songs uh we kind of approach it in more of an uh, indie type way and then we have the jam section in there so mm -hmm. you know I, I think i think goose kind of approaches things like this as well yes. i mean i they consider themselves uh, indie groove. That's mm -hmm. their their genre. I believe they put you know on themselves. Um, regardless, I, I think it's I think it's fitting. But they definitely jam. I think they're definitely a jam band. But they definitely have indie sounds and influences in in their uh, tunes themselves. Well, so, I mean, just thinking, you know, for basing genres on just kind of a, a basis of how media sees it a lot of times 
typically we see like indie bands, pop bands, things like that. Their their uh, their studio releases are really kind of what the the audiences latch on to. Whereas jam bands, it's typically more the live show is really what brings people in for a lot of for like, Goose is kind of the exception in that. Just they are kind of paving a new genre in that way. But so that's I mean, do y'all are y'all working on your debut album? Is that something that's in the works, or is that something you can talk about? Yeah, yeah. So we have uh, one, our, our first single uh, already mm-hmm. released. It's called Acetone. You can find it on uh, Spotify and Apple Music and all the streaming places. Um, our second single, uh, Cocoon, should be out, uh, I believe, next week. So keep an eye oh, out. Oh, killer. That. There we go. Yeah. And then the, the album, uh, we are... St- Still, still working on it. I had uh, hoped that it would be out this year, but it might be early next year before it's before it's out. I think you know any any jam band recording an album goes through this. We we took a, a few of our our tunes and kind of reworked them, cut out some big jam sections of them to to make them more album friendly. Hopefully it translates well and 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 works and doesn't offend, doesn't offend too many people. I don't know, <laughs> but yeah, like so. Cocoon, our, the single that's coming out next week, live it has a jam section on the end that I would say is it's probably most people's favorite part of the song, and we completely just cut that off. You know, like uh, we turned it's a five minute song now. Wow. Live, it sometimes stretches 15 plus. So, um, but yeah, I would say the the head of the song, Cocoon Proper, is kind of a little more like a a folk song. It's not funky. It's it's a little more on the folky end of things. So uh, I I think it sits well by itself without the jam on the end. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's why people like the jam more than the song. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, that that actually brings up two questions that I wanted to get into. Like, I mean, as a band that jams, because I'm going to stop calling referring to y'all as a jam band. I'm going to call you a band that jams to make it fair. So how is how is the balance of writing songs versus jamming? I mean, where where does that play in the live show as well? We're still very new I, I consider ourselves very new and we're we're still writing songs developing songs developing our sound in our practices so we've been uh we let's see well starting early 2020 a little over two and a half years playing together not out but just playing together as a band um i would say 90 95 percent of our practices have been on the songs themselves. We very, very seldom discuss like anything about the jams. Once we get into the jam, everything that happens is never scripted. We just, whatever happens, it's very organic. It just happens. Yeah. We have discussed that eventually, once we get our repertoire to where where we we want it and we'll always be writing new new tunes and learning those but like we hope to be able to get in there and kind of dissect jams and talk about hey it'd be cool if we did this or or whatever but right now it's just we just kind of wing the jams and um yeah all our practices we just uh work on working up new material 
as far as a live show, we we have certain songs that we know is going to be more of a, a jam vehicle than than other songs. We have maybe a handful of songs, not many, that we consider just, you know, a four minute, just proper song. Mm-hmm. Hey, we just get through it. There's not, we're, we don't expect to jam in it. Uh, we're just going to play this tune and we're going to move on to the next song. Most of our songs we we do like to jam a little bit on. So yeah, well, and that's I was gonna. That was the other part of my question was, you know, do you have songs that it's like we already know we're gonna jam on this one? I mean, just listening through the the shows that you have up on Bandcamp, I noticed Firefly Part One pretty much always gets a good long jam on it. And you were mm-hmm. just talking about Cocoon having a really long outro jam. Do you just kind of like see what songs you're feeling in the moment and say like, hey, let's jam this out and just kind of let it happen naturally? Or are there songs that you're like, yeah, we're going to end up jamming this one out? I don't think it's ever discussed as a band. Tommy and I will, uh, we kind of trade off uh, taking turns writing this, the set list for each each show which we do most of our shows, we will uh, already have a set list uh, written out. We have done maybe one or two shows without a set list. And I just think we end up like killing too much time in between songs. Mm-hmm. I like the flow of, of a, a show when we have a set list written out. Very seldomly do we um, call an audible and deviate from that set list, but I'm not opposed to that. Um, but I think it just keeps all of us on the same page. We know what we're getting into going into this. I think as we grow as a band, maybe we can get away from that a little more, maybe um, call more audibles. Oh, well, right now I'm feeling this, or maybe the crowd would enjoy this more. But I, I like having a set list. I like the way it allows us to flow from one song to another. And then, so yeah, to, to answer your question, when I write out these set lists, I will have an idea of, okay, we're going to like, we're going to stretch this one out a little more. And, and whether we discuss that or not, I think all the guys in the band kind of can look at a set list and see, oh, uh, well, this song was first, second, third, and we closed the set with this. So we're probably going to jam that one a little longer because of the songs that preceded it. Those we don't jam out as long. So this one's probably going to be the big jam uh, song of the set. I I think they can kind of see that and uh, know without even discussing that. One of my kind of, kind of, as you start to close, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you this earlier and I'm just now getting to it, but as a younger jam, a a younger band that jams, correct myself there. (laughs) What are some of the unique challenges that y'all are kind of experiencing, especially with like, I mean, touring seems like it's harder than ever now. And and I mean, what are some of the challenges? I don't want to speak for you. What are some of the challenges y'all are seeing? Well, you you mentioned touring. Touring would be a a massive uh, challenge for us. I don't I don't Mm -hmm. know as if touring is ever going to happen for for Mm -hmm. houseplant. I I don't see it in the cards. We are we're all. well, not all of us. Three of us are mid forties, and then the other two are mid late thirties. But we are all married. Um, all but Chris have kids. We all have regular daytime jobs. I wish that houseplant was my full time full time job, but um, mm-hmm. I probably put in enough hours on houseplant weekly that it could be my full time job. But um, yeah. 
I also have uh, another full-time job and so do all the other guys in the band. So I, I don't see touring happening, happening for us, at least not anytime soon. A lot of things would have to happen. A lot of things fall into place before we could all just, uh, just, abandon our normal lives and who knows you know but we could we could very easily just in the summer hit some festivals uh maybe Mm -hmm. grow our audience a little and maybe do some weekend stints uh here and there and i'd be happy with that so that's not a bad way to live yeah yeah so but yeah touring would be a, a massive challenge for for house plant mm-hmm. some other challenges i'm just finding time for it uh mm-hmm. I, I mentioned before yeah like uh we we have a great great team of uh friends that have been behind us from the very beginning i'm super super thankful grateful for them my wife colleen being being one of them she she puts in um I couldn't tell you how many hours a week doing houseplant stuff. But yeah, just finding time to to do all the things. We recently launched a, a website and have all our merchandise up there. And so just fulfilling all the, the merchandise orders, uh, getting them all packaged up, getting them to the post office. Um, I don't know. It's just uh, there's a lot that goes into it behind the scenes that requires a lot of help from a lot of different people. And I'm very, very thankful for people that, that help, uh, help us out in that regard. Man, that's cool. That's really cool. Well, to end on a, I don't want to end on a a sour note per se, but (laughs) so, so what's, what's something exciting coming up for houseplant in 2023? You got a new album. So what else is on the, on docket that's exciting for you? Well, the, yes, the album we, we got, a, a an email today from a festival uh-huh. i don't know we'll see what comes of that but I, I i'm very excited about the 2023 festival se- season um yeah. i think uh, we hopefully could um play some very fun festivals with some um with some cool bands we'll see we'll see what happens there uh, that's cool yeah i'll just leave it yeah <laughs> That's no, that's really cool, dude. That's really cool. Well, I mean, I just, again, I just want to say I really enjoy listening to your band. Uh, I discovered you guys on Spotify, took a long, deep trip down your uh, band camp page. Uh, just really inventive, really enjoyable stuff. And so I just, I want to commend you guys for what you're putting out there. And I, I really look forward to what what's in store for y'all, especially next year with the new album and everything. So yeah. congratulations, man. You do a great job. Well, thank you very much. And for yeah, sure. you, talking about diving into Spotify, um, Spotify is a little bit limited right now, but we should have that album out soon. And then we're also going to do um, like a compilation live, live album to put on Spotify as well. So there should be some more content on there. That's soon. awesome. But yeah, well, that's awesome. I, I can't wait to listen to more of it, man. Well, thank well, you thank so much. You this has much. been yeah. a pleasure today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of Yesterday's Concert. Thoughts? Similar experiences? Disagree? Let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and even TikTok. Or you can email us at info at yesterdaysconcert.com. If you're feeling kind, give us a review on Apple Podcast. Otherwise, until next time, 
give us a subscribe, check out our website, yesterdaysconcert.com, and most importantly, take care of your shoes. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.